Testament lesson is from the book of Hebrews, uh, portions of the 11th and 12th chapters of that book. If you would please turn in your Bibles to those sections so that you can follow while I read them aloud. I just think it's helpful for people to see the words that they're hearing, and in doing that, it uh, has an impact and imprint on us. Hebrews 11, the first three verses, and Hebrews 12, the first two verses. Listen now for God's word. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. In chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All of us are going to die. We don't know when. We don't know where. We don't know how. But all of us will die. Now, this brilliant insight came to me about a year ago. I had an epiphany that I was going to die, which kind of surprised me as a minister of 42 years of the gospel. But it also shocked me because I thought, ooh, it's really going to happen. Now, I've dealt with death for all these years as a pastor, but it's somebody else's death. It's some other family. It's somebody else dealing with it and not me. So I decided to go in therapy. And for a year, I've been in therapy working out about death, but also working out about retirement because I could not visualize retiring. And I think the two are close together somehow. And so I, because all I've done my whole life is work, so I didn't know what else to do. So I've been in therapy, and I encourage anybody that may be retiring in a year or two, get some help, because I've seen too many people, they quit, and then they just kind of die, or they just kind of don't know what to do next. It's been a great experience for me. But when you wrestle with your own death, when you wrestle with the fact that your life will be over, it really causes you to start assessing what's important in my life. What is significant? What is of value to me? What are those events in my life that have helped shape and fashion who I am today? What am I all about? The psalmist in Psalm 146, I think, gives us some clues about what really is valuable and what's important. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. Do not put your trust in worldly things, for they are temporal and they are temporary. They're not life-giving, and they're not life-sustaining. You may think that your 401k is a very good security blanket as you go into retirement or wherever, and yet that may not always be there like it was. You thought a number of years ago that your investments were a sure thing until 10 years happened ago. You focus on being with the right crowd and the in crowd, and all that is great until one of them does something that's illegal and you are implicated in it. You think getting involved in politics locally or statewide or nationally is a great thing and great power to it, 
until you get politically eliminated. So where do you turn? Where do you turn to count on things in this world? For just in the past week, 11 people went to worship in a synagogue and never came home. This crazy, my term, political season that we're in, where people are making accusations and they're making promises and they're making all kind of crazy things, not to mention millions of dollars being spent on these campaigns, Tuesday cannot come soon enough. And in the rallying of troops to go to the Mexican border in order to protect ourselves from these immigrants coming in, And that didn't even count on the issues in our own personal lives. The surgery that your family member is facing. The fact that you lost a loved one in this past year. The arguments in your household and the words that were very hurting to one another. Your fear about job security. Your children's future not being clear where they're headed. Not to mention about your faith or your lack of faith in your own personal life. Sometimes it just gets to be too much and we often think, I'm just going to check out. I'm just going to become a hermit and get out of all of this. So where do we turn? I think the psalmist helps us again. Our hope is in the Lord who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord watches over the stranger and upholds the orphan and the widow. The Lord will reign forever. Praise the Lord. The God that we worship is with us for the long haul. God has our back. God stands in the gap. God is our rock in our salvation. All kinds of schemes and get quick, get rich quick kind of schemes come along. And yet the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will never leave us or depart from us. He is there forever. And that's an assurance that is ours. But yet sometimes that's just religious talk. So what does it mean that we have hope in God? What does it mean that hope is real? How do you live out hope? I think that's where the writer of Hebrews gives them some real concrete kind of explanation of what hope is. In chapters 11 and 12, I think he makes the case for what our future will be. He defines what it means to have hope. He puts it in concrete kind of terms. For many of us, hope is just another religious word. It's one of those words that we kind of lean on and say, I hope everything's going to work out. It's the language we use in the church. But, But what does it actually mean in my own personal life? It stays nebulous and vague, and it's hard to see what it means. And sometimes I get the impression that if you just grunt hard enough, or if you wait long enough, it all works out. But that's a pretty tenuous kind of way to look at life. But the writer of Hebrews, I think, gives us something that's tangible and effective and personal. He doesn't use the word hope in the definition. Instead, he tells us what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we've seen these words for years and years, and I just want to focus on the first part. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Tom Long, in his commentary on Hebrews, 
I think helps me to see more clearly what faith is all about. We, we use that word just like hope. We throw it around all the time. For some of us, faith is a feeling. For others of us, just have enough faith. It's a religious term that we use all the time, but I'm not sure we know what its impact is. Tom says that the author of Hebrews is describing that what faith has. He is describing what faith has. Faith already possesses now what God has promised us for the future. It claims for us right now what God's going to do in the future. It declares that God's promises are true and real. You can literally take them to the bank. And that's an incredible bit of comfort for this fact that we can claim that God's promises for us that we know now will be there in the future. A great sense of certainty and assurance, a great sense of thankfulness. So in the current state of affairs in our country or in your life, you can be assured that the promises of God for justice and mercy and truth will occur. It may be a while before we see that. It may not even be in our lifetime. But with everything whirling around in the world politically and personally, this is a sense of grounding, a sense of solidarity with God, a sense of assurance that we are going to be okay. We can say with confidence that God is in charge, that God is in control, that I don't have all the answers and thank God I don't need to have them. But because of these promises, I can pray boldly for the person that took those 11 lives just as well as I can pray for those families that lost those 11 lives. I can see beyond the fray of the current news releases every day nowadays to see there's going to be a better time in the future. I can claim God's love for me when I wrong somebody so that I can make up that relationship and have reconciliation. The assurance of things hoped for. For 27 years, Nelson Mandela was in prison. And recently a book has come out that talks about his letters and his writings. And the question was, how did he survive that? And according to these letters, he survived it because he held on to hope. He used it like a warm bath and declared that hope is a powerful weapon even when all else is lost. He never relinquished his values and what was important to him, even when guards would harass him, even when he had to live in horrible conditions. He never gave that up, and it was that hope that got him through. Corey Ten Boone is another example of someone who had incredible hope. Her family helped to rescue over 800 Jews from the Nazis. But finally the Nazis came and took her family and 35 people in their home. And she talks about the fact that in those camps, she and her sister, after a hard, long, arduous day at work in the camps, would have worship services for the, for the prisoners. Some reason, there was a clerical error, and she was released from prison one week before the rest of the women in her age group were executed. Faith, solid and secure, God working God's wonders in people's lives. Two examples of many 
of what God does in terms of people's lives. The assurance that Nelson Mandela had and that Corey Ten Boone had helped them focus on their purpose. They never gave it up. They lived it out. Their assurance was beyond comparison. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to list the Hall of Fame faithful folks in the scriptures. Other examples of how people who live by faith saw God's incredible promises fulfilled. Abraham, by faith, went to a country he had never been to. And through that, by faith in God, was blessed. And we're here today because of that. Noah, doing something crazy like building an ark in the middle of nowhere, by faith did that and was successful in being faithful to God. Mary, a teenager, pregnant, not even married, by faith gave birth to the Son of God. All of whom acted by faith. All of whom did not know what the last chapter in the book was going to be. All of them who didn't know where their future was. All of them who didn't have a clue of what was going to happen or what they would go through. But they had faith in God and his promises were real. incredible cloud of witnesses that surrounded all of those people, an incredible cloud of witnesses that surround you and me today. How we live out our faith with all of these witnesses who've gone before us and have given us the life that we have. We are the heirs of their work and of their faithfulness. We are the heirs and beneficiaries of what they have done as they've gone before us in this life. Think of the cloud of witnesses here at First Church. Who are the people in this congregation that have gone before us to the church triumphant? And how have they made a difference in your life? How have they touched you? How have they affected you? How has their witness and word and deed made a difference in how you live out your faith? Who are your faith heroes in your own life? I have some faith heroes. Spurgeon Cathy was one of my faith heroes. He was the African-American fellow in our home church that was the sexton, fancy church word for janitor. And every time I'd come home from college, I'd make a beeline to the church and, and Spurgeon and I would solve the world's problems, always giving me encouragement, always being supportive, always being helpful. Francis Query, third grade Sunday school teacher, thought I had some talent. I just started taking piano lessons and she let me play the piano for Sunday school and I made a real mess of it. But she was able to encourage me in that way. Jim and Sarah Leathers, young couple that worked in our youth group and showed us an example of what faith is all about when we were teenagers and were able to learn from them and to mature from them. Who here at First Church are your saints? Who are the people that have gone before you that have touched your life in a meaningful way? Who today are the saints that have made a difference in your life? And my question is, have you thanked them for that? Have you gone up to someone whose faith is very powerful and said, thank you. Thank you for the difference you're making here in my life and other places. It would be a powerful experience for us to simply say, thank you for what other people have done. Now, while I don't know everybody here, I am impressed with the faithfulness of the membership of this congregation, willingness to claim God's promises, willing to live out that faith, willing to venture in some new ways, patient most of the time, especially in search of a new pastor, 
eagerness to see what God's going to do. But I think, based on this passage, that we will see after a new pastor comes to this church, that this time for several years has been a way for us to decide what's church all about, what's most important, who is significant for us, who helps make the difference, why are we here? so that we together with a new pastor can move into an incredible future. That's what faith is, assurance of things not seen. And I think that we as a church have an incredible gift that we can give to a world of isolated, neglected, and fearful people who are looking for support and acceptance and love. We have an incredible gift that we can give to others to help them benefit like we've benefited from so many other people because we don't walk this walk alone. This cloud of witnesses that surround us enable us to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. So on this All Saints Sunday, we don't just look back. We look to the future with the kind of gifts that we have in this congregation of how we have benefited, but think what we can do for others in their life and in the future. By faith, we live our faith. By faith, we will be God's people. Let us pray. Eternal God, it is by faith that we are who we are. We thank you for that gift that you gave us in Jesus Christ that in that faith that we're able to, to live life fully and completely, that life has meaning and purpose, that we need not fear because you're with us and walk this walk with us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.